the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition, post-4th of July. Another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman. Check us out on our website, firinglineradio.com. It's where you get the podcasts. Now, the podcasts are important because if you want to win things that we give away, you have to be a subscriber. How do you do that? You go to firinglineradio.com. Scroll down at the bottom. You'll see all the podcasts, such as this one which you don't want to miss. Some great podcasts on there. Hit the subscribe button. Life is good. And uh, we'll pick a random person off there for some of our some of our giveaways. And what are we giving away this week? Well, we're giving away the Macmillan MC3 polymer stock. Absolutely fantastic stock. Remington 700s only. Remington 700, short or long action. Two different versions. The legend version or the tradition version. So tradition's more of a hunting style, modern rifle stock, and the Legend is more of a tactical style, more like PRS or just long-range shooting, and these are awesome stocks. I, I run them on some of my guns that, uh, well, I, I run McMillan's on all my guns, but these two uh, have the polymer stock on them. I really do enjoy them. Joining me, folks, since we're talking about long-range shooting and high-powered rifles, I have John Gillespie Brown. John Gillespie Brown is the owner of longrangeshooting.org. It is a uh, great website great information site about long-range shooting. John, I did a poll on my uh, Facebook page a few weeks back, and I said, hey, you know, tell me what you guys want to have more shows on. And long-range shooting, far and away, was the number one. So I said, I better call the guy who wrote the book about that and have him back <laughs> on here. Uh, John John Gillespie Brown has actually written four books and done a DVD uh, on long-range shooting. So I'm going to... We've got four sections of the show. John, walk us through who you are, what you've done, and book number one. All right, for sure. So um, a little bit, two seconds about me. I've um, <clears throat> been shooting since I was a little kid. I uh, grew up in the United Kingdom, which um, unfortunately now is much more of a downer on shooting than it was when I was a kid. Uh, and just a... Uh, a little piece about the UK, most people probably don't know, but after World War II, sort of trashing all the guns, they actually distributed them to a whole bunch of schools. So this sounds really weird today, but like when we were kids, we had machine guns and all the World War II uh, uh, guns we could get our hands on. Now, that's um, that's the exact opposite of what happened after World War One. World War right. One, England so totally disarmed. Yeah, well, they did disarm. They took the they took their guns, but they, they put them into certain 
schools for, for teaching purposes, which, you know, is not PC anymore. No, World but War I. Right. But World War One, they, they disarmed. After World War Two, they yeah. said, geez, that that disarming thing didn't work out so well. Maybe we should keep our guns this time. <laughs> and maybe it's just a waste. But I was lucky. In, in a way, I was lucky. I went to military schools, and so uh, to a certain extent, I had the benefit of, of getting access to those from very small. And I was a shooting team captain. I always really loved it. Uh, so that's what that my background in shooting. That's when I learned. And then um, I lived all over the world. I traveled in the United States when I was a kid too, and live here now, obviously, even though I have a different accent. And uh, I, I said about writing these. These books, not because I see myself as some amazing guru, because I read all the books that were out there and I found a lot of them very confusing or missing in information, or they weren't focused particularly on the art of long-range shooting, which is a passion of mine. So I wrote these books simply to solve my own problem, which was how can I find a book that it's simple, clear, it doesn't put extra stuff in, there's no real stories or all that good stuff that you find in other books. It's just a simple fact laid out as simply as I could I, I could put it down. And, uh, and I followed up with that by uh, working with Facebook. We have like 107,000 members of our long-range shooting Facebook group. And we're sort of a community that um, likes to hang out and talk about long-range shooting. The, the books are not and pretty much everything we do is pretty much not for profit. So longrangeshooting.org is one of our places. And you can go there and you can learn a little bit more about it. So you've got some videos put up there, excerpts from the book? We've got a whole ton of stuff. The full books is obviously a lot of pages of stuff, and people don't necessarily want all of it. Um, there's a lot of the excerpts of the books are up there. Uh, there's a lot of articles up there. And, of course, we have 106,000 people really interested talking to each other. So it's still a good community to learn if you're brand new or if you're, you've been into it for a long time. Then you can pick up some more esoteric stuff on what load do you want for your hand loads that you're using or what are you going to use for long-range hunting versus target PRS. You know, there's a number of different areas people find long-range shooting uh, interest. And so our objective, I guess, as a community is to help people wanting to get into it. And right. the books, was, to me, were sort of just a, a part of that process. We, we give away a lot of the content uh, on the website, and uh, we're, we're going to do more of that as we go forward. So. And, and the books are pretty un, uh, pretty affordable, not unaffordable. They're actually affordable. So it's a good value for that. Talk, talk to yeah, us about... Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk to us about book number one. Okay, well, um, out of the four books, there's sort of a logical progression as my brain works. Uh, book number one set out simply that if you've never, ever picked up a long-range gun before and you just, say, for example, got into shooting for the first time or you've been a hunter but wanted to go into long-range, book number one is talking through the equipment, how do you get started, what is long-range shooting, how long is that, different calibers used, um, and it, it's mostly about the equipment and the decision-making. It's not about skills. So that's what book one is about. It's like, how do I get into this game? How much does it cost? What gear do I need? Uh, and the gear includes not just rifles, but obviously optics as well. So let's talk about that. Number one, we have a rule here on Firing Line Radio Show that we don't want to blow anybody's cover, okay? I might have been guilty of this myself in the past of not being 
completely transparent on the cost of an item to my wife? <laughs> Maybe. But um, so the cost, let's just cover that right now, okay? All rifles, optics, everything cost about $100, okay? They're, what are you laughing no, at? They're about. Hold, hold, hold that. They're about 100 Your mileage may vary, but, you know, guys driving with his wife in a car, it's 100 bucks, give or take a little, okay? That's all we need to say about prices. But we do want to talk about uh, the gear that's required for a brand new person. And, you know, what is your definition of long-range shooting? Uh, we've got Paul Phillips coming on. He just won the king of two miles. <laughs> He's coming right. on in a couple of weeks. And that's extended range shooting. And these guys are amazing at what they're able to do. It's literally they're shooting artillery with a rifle. Yeah, and a different set of skills and equipment needed for ELR than there is in, in long range. So that's, that's worth pointing out to people is uh, you, it's much more of a team effort on ELR because it's literally special equipment needed to see the target. It's that far away, right? You need... Even at a thousand yards, which I would call long range shooting, you've got to have a pretty good set of optics, uh, not only a spotting scope, uh, a regular scope, in order to be able to resolve that target. And the older you get, I'm afraid to say, the worse your eyes are. So you actually need, <clears throat> I, I think older folks like myself need even more magnification. But with magnification comes issues with things like mirage, which we can talk about. So, mm-hmm. Um, definitely different levels of equipment as you go further in terms of distance. But I would call long-range shooting uh, anything sort of 500 yards plus. Some people call it 300 yards plus. I think the average hunter would probably shoot within 300 yards and call that uh, good. And with a good quality scope, you can pretty much take a shot at an animal if you zeroed it between one and 200 yards with pretty much any old scope. Uh, and hold over a little bit or under a little bit, depending on where they are in that distance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, and, and, and probably within that distance, you're not too worried about the wind unless there's a gale blowing, you know, because you've got that. Uh, the shape of an, of an animal when you're hunting is usually very different to a target on steel, which is generally you know, orientated vertically versus an animal, which is more, Horizontal, right? I think you've got wind drift one way or the other. You've got less of a problem on an animal. I think for for a quick definition, you know, zero to three hundred yards is, I would say, normal ranges, especially for hunting. Um, Three to seven hundred yards, I would consider to be long range hunting. Uh, Over seven hundred, I think, is kind of really expertise shooting for hunting. Uh, Thousand to fifteen hundred yards, you know, that's. That's just long-range shooting, and 1,500 yards plus is that extended long-range. Those guys who are just shooting with the uh, the, the Charlie Tree Tax and, and uh, 375 Shea Tax and just the amazing equipment that you see them roll out with. So they're just some rough definitions. They're not carved in stone. Uh, I can explain to you why I think these are decent ranges and, and what makes those up. But anyway, folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. I'll be right back with John Gillespie Brown, longrangeshooting.org, after this. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step 
and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Hey, folks, every week on the Firing Line Radio Show, our conversation is going to revolve around firearms, hunting, gun rights that are afforded to all Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Now, our longtime companion in this battle to uphold our rights has been Firing Line Radio Show's sponsor, Vince Torres of Bullseye Sports, Guns, and Ammo in Riverside. Now, if you're not armed for protection or recreation, shame on you. But head on over to Bullseye Sport in Riverside where you need to go for small arms, rifles, shotguns, ammo, accessories, and much more. After you purchase that firearm, Vince and I highly recommend you attend a certified firearm safety and training course, one that's going to teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitudes essential to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. For more information about the certified firearm courses, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside, 951-823-0211. Visit their website, bullseyesport.com, for a schedule of classes. Because of Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo, they believe in safety first. 951-823-0211 or tap the AM590 app. Folks, this is Philip Naiman joining you back at Firing Line Radio Show with John Gillespie Brown. John Gillespie Brown is the owner and operator of LongRangeShooting.org, a great place to go find more information on long-range shooting. Now, at the last section, as we just cut off uh, uh, to the last commercial here, John, I was talking about some of the different ranges and just different qualifications. These are the ones that exist in my head. And I said, you know, 0 to 300, 3 to 700, 7 to 1,000, 1,000 to 1,500, and 1,500 plus. Um, here, here's why I came up with this. 0 to 300 yards with a modern sporting cartridge, if you have a 200-yard zero, you have very little holdover required to take a deer or an elk, okay? It's very little. You might have 6 inches. You can compensate for that pretty quick, uh, 0 to 300 yards. Three to 700 yards thinking comes into play because now you have to deal with a longer time of flight. 
the wind can have more of an advantage or disadvantage to it, you have to make adjustments either in your scope or on your rectangle to make these corrections on these shots. So three to 700 yards is really where long, effective long-range shooting and hunting come into play. And if you're playing a sport like PRS or um, or just out with some friends shooting, you know, four inches of steel at 700 yards, that's a heck of a shot. You know, you'll you'll have a whole lot of near misses before you actually hit that thing. But that's that's an important practice thing. 700 to 1,000 yards, I think, for most ethical hunting, that's somebody who practices enough might be able to take a shot like that. Um, if they're brand new, I'd say no. Or if they, you know, you have to have to evaluate your own level of skill and responsibility. You're shooting at a beer can at a thousand yards, send it, you know, that's, that's fun. But if you're hunting, it's a whole different level of results that have to be required. So I, I take that far more serious. 1,000 to 1,500 yards. I mean, I see these posts of all these guys, oh, first round hit, 1,200, 1,300, 1,400 yards. That's a long way. Um, first round hits are pretty impressive unless you're shooting on a six by six piece of steel. <laughs> but, um, and then the 1,500 yard plus is the extended long range. And that's really the, a very specialized area where you're dealing with times of flight in, in the several seconds or a max ordinance, which is the, Distance a bullet travels over your line of sight, you know, several hundred feet in the air, sometimes over a thousand. It's amazing when you think about what these guys are actually accomplishing with a firearm. Uh, what do you, what are you, what's your breakdown on that, John? I think I would agree with you. I think uh, hunting is different to shooting paper or steel. I think that you certainly need to be aware of the different equipment and the different thinking, different training, different speed. There's a speed component to hunting. Most people probably appreciate if they do it. And therefore, you, you don't have time to sit around playing with your you know, scope and twiddling about when you've got to take a fairly quick shot. The longer the distance of the shot, the less speed needed with regard to hunting, and you can take a little bit more time to get it set up. But as you say, if you go beyond 700 yards, you've got a much longer time of flight so an animal can move. And then, in addition to that, you've got a lot of greater considerations with wind, which is really the number one thing that you have to contend with with long-range shooting. Uh, understanding the wind and working with the wind is, is the number one consideration. As you say, if you're an ethical hunter then and you've been hunting for a long time, long range, then you'll know whether you can take that shot or not by looking at the environmental conditions. If you're new, then you probably don't have that you know, history and background and experience, so it's pretty dangerous uh, if you care about you know, the uh, health of the, of the animal you're shooting at to, to just be thinking uh, away at it. So I'm, I'm 100% in agreement with you. So and I think the, 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 the caliber makes a difference too, right? If you're shooting, the longer you're shooting, then if you think about not only the design of the bullet, uh, but also the caliber of it and how you actually deliver that, the further you go, the less, I'm going to use an old-fashioned phrase, but like less knockdown power that you could be putting on that target. Therefore, you know, you're less... There's no doubt about like that. To hurt. Yeah, there's yeah, no, you're there's gonna no hurt, doubt. You may hurt them right? rather than ethically kill them. So I think we're, we're thumbs up on that. Oh, very cool. Okay, so, you know, as an example, I was in Wyoming, this is, I don't know, five or six years ago, and we're on this ridge line, kind of a bluff, 
There's a beaver ponds down below us, and across 480 yards away is this plateau that these elk like to cross just before dark. And, you know, it's 480 yards, but we had like a 25-mile-an-hour, 90-degree crosswind. Now, the yardage isn't that bad, but that pushes the bullet a little over two feet. And, you know, you've got a moving animal, and then you're going to compensate for two feet of wind. So even though it didn't seem like that far of a shot, ethically, that's not one you can take because he's walking in and you've got to, you have to lead a little bit and then you have to compensate for a two foot right to left, like 28 inches, I think it came out at, right to left drift. I mean, that's, that makes an impossibility on the shot. Even if he was standing still, you would have to aim with the crosshairs off the animal and kind of do a, uh, you know, a slider, a hook shot, uh, curveball to, to get it in there. It's really not, not the area you want to be. Um, so wind can stop you from hunting uh, at extended ranges very easily. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't make that shot. Well, yeah, so we didn't. And it was a huge bull. God, it was huge. Giant. <laughs> So yeah, I think I, I think I agree. The difference there is a very big difference between having fun uh, on paper and steel or shooting competitions, which is another sort of thing to think about. And different competitions have different rules and different considerations, and I think that means different equipment and different calibers. And I think that's where people find long range shooting interesting because there's a lot of uh, things to learn about it, a lot of different things that you can pick from and choose. It's a fun sport you can do together with buddies and yeah. um, a range of different equipment choices so you can, you can try different things out. Well, and, let uh, me ask you, let, you me pick, can, let me pick your okay. brain then. What's, what's your favorite long-range caliber just to shoot steel or mess around with? Well, you just define long range as three, three different variables. <laughs> oh, so let's, do, would, let's, let's stick around would, the thousand-yard range. So uh, it depends. Um, I have a, a bunch of different rifles, and I have shot a lot of different calibers. And for me, I'm a medium-sized guy, pretty average guy, and uh, and and I am probably more focused on trying to get a good group over a long distance than other people. So I would go for something with a little less recoil. And uh, my favorite caliber, generally speaking, is six five Creedmoor. Now, I've, ne- I've never heard that. I've never heard of that. <laughs> right, right. But there's another consideration. For example, I don't have time to shoot matches. If I was shooting matches, I probably would choose six rather than six five. I chose six five because I travel to different states and I want easy access to the ammunition, which is something sometimes people don't think about. So the, the choice of a caliber, I think, comes into will it make, you know, is it? a round that will make the distance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's got to be appropriate for the distance. If it's two miles, a 6.5 Creedmoor uh, might make it, but it, it, it's certainly not going to be the ideal caliber for that. Type so of let's talk about a couple Where, of things. I want to give yeah. a definition. You said the caliber, the caliber, the caliber. Now, the caliber is the diameter of the bullet. So you're, you're talking about not only the bullet and the bullet selection, but the cartridge that's sending it. You've got a caliber, uh, which, as you say, is like the, the size of the case. You you have then, uh, within that, you obviously then have different bullets, which are the projectile, and the shape of that bullet is very important for long-range shooting, and it will be a different shape probably for hunting than it will be for shooting steel or for matches, right? 
And so, um, but I was saying as a combination of picking that, will it, will it be the correct caliber and bullet for the application and the distance? And then what's the availability of that ammunition if you travel or to go reload, international, yeah. for example, right? Exactly. I do reload, but even so, you, you're probably not going to take 500 rounds with you in your case when you travel to Africa. That's right? what, so that's what, what carry-on's for. <laughs> so, hey, I need, so, I need, so to, so need to take a quick break here. We'll be right back. This is Philip Naiman back with John Gillespie Brown, longrangeshooting.org. Check us out, podcast, firinglineradio.com. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn. Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of the Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans, lay down your weapons. Persians, come and get them. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Looking for a way to get those kids off your couch? Well, I've got a great idea that your whole family can enjoy. That's the Youth Outdoor Adventure Day at Rohagi Shooting Complex in Corona. Saturday, July 20th from 8 to 4, a full day to enjoy. There's going to be paintball games, trick shooting demonstrations, a rock climbing wall, 22 rifle, airsoft, and BB gun shooting galleries galore, a stocked fishing pond, archery, kayaking, a petting zoo, clay target shooting, falconry, and many more fun activities for the whole family. So come on out with a free youth and adult raffle. You can pre-register for only $15 a person for a full day of fun. That is a great bargain. Way, way cheaper than Disneyland. So long. So log on to am590.info and use the keyword adventure to get your tickets today. They will sell out. This is a very, very popular event, guys. Again, am590.info, keyword adventure for the Youth Outdoor Adventure Day at Rohagi, Saturday, July 20th in Corona. It is an amazing day. As a matter of fact, this is going to be my eighth anniversary. And um, I remember our first one, we went out there eight years ago and uh, celebrated with them. So uh, July will be our end of our seventh year, beginning of our eighth year on the air here in the People's Republic of Occupied California, broadcasting to you from behind enemy lines. We're reaching out to free America. (laughs) Come back. Rescue us. Anyway, folks, you're you're not going to want to miss that. Saturday, July 20th. Um, eight to four space is limited. You want to get there early and, uh, bring the kids. That's what it's all about. We need to pass this on as a legend, as a legacy folks joining me back. I have John Gillespie Brown, John Gillespie Brown, owner of long We're just kicking the uh, can down the road here, talking about long range shooting, some of the things to get set up. And I want to give some guys some particulars, some meat and potatoes, if you will. So, 
somebody walks into a gun store and they've been watching a few YouTube videos and they think that shooting a piece of steel at a thousand yards sounds like a great thing to do on a Wednesday. So what, what walk them through equipment selection? What should they look for? Uh, I'll try and keep it brief. It's pretty wide, but uh, as you said, you have to start off by asking the question, what are you going to do? If you're only ever going to shoot um, steel or paper, that will lead you down one path. If you're going to use this gun to shoot hunting as well... Let's, let's stick uh, with steel and paper. Let, let's stick with steel and okay. paper. So, so I think the uh, next question then comes, the obvious one is, how far does that $100 budget you're telling your wife uh, or girlfriend and or partner go? About three-quarters so of it. To, Let's look for the three-quarters right, of a $100 to, you have to, so, so I think the, the golden rule here, and the one thing I, I'd emphasize is that many people, I think, don't know, is you probably want to spend more money on your optics than you do on your rifle if you have a restricted budget. And a lot of people say that they think that's nuts. So it all depends on how big your budget is, obviously. But um, the optics on long-range shooting are, are really critical. And, and getting the guy in the store, hopefully you've got a good local gun store that knows a little bit about the sport. I would start uh, with, hey, I've got a budget of X. I would like to uh, you know, get into it. And I would spend the money on so, great quality optic and a reasonable value a rifle if you are on a sort of the lower end budget. So great quality optics. One of the things you're looking for here is clarity of the glass. So you're in a, you're in, you're in a store. How do you check the clarity of the glass? Well, you kind of have to open up the door and look outside because if you're looking through their painted or stained or pigeon pooped windows, it's not going to look very good. And, and looking across in a halogen lights inside the room doesn't look very good. So, you know, you kind of need the permission, but go to the front door and look outside with this with your scope and it should be three to four inches off of your forehead okay that's another key um power range is important right uh when they're looking through the glass you know some of the things they want to talk about what they want to look for in the glass john well i think i wrote a whole book on it so my uh my second book is about uh the third book should i say is about about buying scopes and optics right it's hard to do in two seconds but the the we have four quality minutes. optics, yeah, exactly. The quality optics that we're uh, talking about here are a lot more expensive than the average hunting scope. A lot more. That's why it's a bigger proportion of your budget if you're if you're trying to get into the store. The the thing to look for in the store is um, again based on application. So if you're if you're not too worried about low light shooting. Right then, the, actually, the, the the quality of the glass is less important, and the quality of the glass is not the glass itself; it's actually the coating mm-hmm. on the glass. And so, super expensive Swarovski optics are all about the coatings on the glass to be used at dawn and dusk. Right, that's the key. If you're shooting long range shooting on paper or, or steel, you don't care about that. Generally, you're shooting during very good lighting conditions. So, it's actually more about the reticle, picking a reticle and having a very good, um, a reliable scope, right? More about the tracking when you turn. These scopes have knobs on them. You turn those knobs, you want those knobs to go and send the bullet where you want it to go when you want it to get there. And so low-end scopes tend to have mushy and less high-quality 
uh, build, as you'd expect, if they're made in in um, certain countries, where everything that's built into that is going to be a lower end than um, you know the, the uh, European products, which tend to have higher end components. So when you're in the store, you're going to know. Um, and I think in the end, as you say, you, you could pick three scopes and go and look outside with them, and if they're all about the same price, you won't be able to tell the difference. I think some of the things you said are very important. The reticle is important. Yeah. If you're going to shoot something yeah. like PRS where you have to shoot in a timed command, this came up to me. I was shooting with a buddy of mine, and the scope that I was shooting had first focal plane. Now, I am used to shooting my hunting rifles, which I have second focal plane. The difference is where the reticles are built inside the scope where they line up on a first focal plane. If I go down to five power, my entire rectangle shrinks way down. And if I go up to 25 power, it comes way up, which is great for long range shooting. It's, I don't enjoy it for hunting because if, if I'm in low light and five way down on five, I can't see the rectangle. I can't, I can't see the crosshairs unless it's illuminated. So, um, I like a second focal plane for that, but here's the point was I'm just used to shooting second focal plane. So I would dial, uh, I would dial my shots, and we're shooting at a thousand yards, and over at seven, then at six eighty, then back to nine hundred, and I'm dialing. And he says, "Dude, why don't you use your rectangle?" And in a first right. focal plane, tell him how that works. Well, the, the main difference between the focal plane is slightly different to that. The, the reticle itself is a particular pattern or design. And it's actually about the dialing point you made is very important. If you're going to shoot over 300 yards and you have a second focal plane scope, you have to max out the uh, uh, magnification zoom yeah, on that scope in order for the reticle to be accurate. And that's the problem with the second focal plane scope. So it's great for hunting because you're short distance, right? You're looking at it. And, and, and the measurement in the reticle, it's like a, like a ruler, if you like, right, on two planes. So you can see up and down and left and right. And, and it has MOA or mills as a sort of a measurement. And uh, the, the benefit of a first focal plane for long-range shooters, which is what I recommend, is the fact that you do not have to go all the way to max zoom in order to use the reticle for accurate measurement. In second focal plane, that's what you have to do, and so a lot of people don't want to do that. Right. Now, the downside of the first focal plane scope is it's more expensive because the way, it, like you said, the way it's made and where the reticle is located within the scope itself. So a second focal plane will be much cheaper, but it is much more, it's much better for shorter ranges because you don't have to do math in your head. If, if you don't do max zoom on a second focal plane scope, the reticle will be inaccurate and your shot will go to the wrong place. So that's the only thing people really need to know. If you're super experienced with second focal plane scope, which you probably are, Philip, it's not a problem, right? You can you sort of know. You look at it and you go, I can I can I can get, I can get this. Right. But if you're you're in that store, you just said, you know, you're going in, you're buying for the first time, and you're serious about long range. First focal plane is just easier. Because you don't have to worry about that. I believe so. And and also, for the because, again, my background is the hunting, I've enjoyed MOA. It makes sense to me. Now, right. MRADs, I understand the conversion. I know what they are. I can deal with those. But I think if you're, if you're hunting on the western slope and you're talking to a guide from Durango, 
he's going to talk to you in MOA, not MRADs, right? He's going to say five minutes, yeah. five inches. Everything's going to be in inches, not MRADs. So depending on your, you know, the, how your scope is set up depends on what you want to do with it down the road. So anyway, those are some great, great points. We're going to come back here with John Gillespie Brown, the owner of LongRangeShooting.org and the guy who wrote four books. Four books on long-range shooting, and we're only on number two. So we'll be right back after this. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Bonham! What is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. That is good. That is good. And to shoot them in the face at long range. There you go. Folks, Philip Damon, Firing Line Radio Show. Uh, that was Conan. That wasn't me. You have to blame that comment on Conan. Couldn't have been me. Uh, joining me, I have John Gillespie Brown. John Gillespie Brown, owner of LongRangeShooting.org, the man who wrote the book on long-range shooting, which you can find on Amazon for a very low price. John, what are they running at? John? Well, the, uh, the books then start at $9.99 for each book, or you can buy them all together on Amazon and, and get a discount. And what's amazing about that is it's actually $9.99. It's not like the $100 rule. It actually is $9.99. <laughs> you can actually tell the truth on this one. Well, I told a version of, of facts that are... Anyway, we're moving on. <laughs> um, so the other books that you wrote, one is about ballistics and the other one's about hand-loading. Now, hand-loading, I should do some shows on that by itself, but ballistics are extremely important when it comes to long-range shooting because in a nutshell... Your ballistic numbers, called the ballistic coefficient, kind of give you the gas mileage of your bullet. How far that bullet will fly, given the amount of energy it starts with. Um, why don't you take it from there, John? Yeah, I think the DC, for simple terms, as you say, is the shape of the projectile, right? It's the thing that's going to get shot out of your rifle, and the shape of it, as people will appreciate if they think about an airplane wing or whatever, is very important when it gets to flying through the air. And since we are worried about the wind, as we said earlier, <clears throat> what we want is something that's very, what we call flat shooting through the air. It is it less affected by the wind 
as we try and get to our target. That means well, not, that we have not less just the to worry wind. about that. Yeah, not just the wind, but the overall drag. I mean, it's the, the force right. of the bullet pushing through the air causes a lot of friction on the nose of it. So if it if it's shaped like a round nose, like a pistol bullet, you know, it's it's almost like a barge going through the water. You can see the bow wave exactly. in the front as opposed to a, you know, Don Johnson cigarette boat on Miami Vice. That thing just flies and cuts through the water, right? They're both going through That's the water. One, one is much more efficient than the other. So that shape uh, is very, very important. And it's measured by something called the ballistic coefficient. Higher is better, exactly. basically. It's like gas exactly. mileage. Better number. Higher number is better. And then, of course, you have to include, so, so we're dealing with gravity, friction, and wind, right? And so you can imagine then, um, depending on the application, like we talked about before, you're going to have a heavier or a lighter bullet, depending on what you're shooting at. And all those then have, um, you know, different choices for you when you decide to go out there and shoot. And so you might, there are a whole plethora of different shapes and sizes of bullets. If you're going to shoot an animal, it will be different design than if you're shooting a PRS match or if you're shooting just down at the range. And they tend to cost different amounts, and, and, and they're made out of different materials. Like, we're both stuck in California, and as of a couple of days ago, we have to pretty much shoot anything that isn't lead. And so there are some considerations. For, for hunting, not for, for target, long, but for yeah, hunting. That's true. And so for, for from the point of view of a long-range shooter, one of the things that's really I find really interesting is you then, because you then have to think about ballistics, you then tend to think of the the other equipment that you need with regard to that. And that, you know, you can use an application on your phone, or you can be old school like me and print out a uh, a chart that tells you uh, how the how much the bullet will drop over certain distances based on the wind and the atmospheric conditions, as well as what you're shooting at. And we we originally started talking about just shooting a thousand yards at a a static target, and, and so you can use those uh, different pieces of information to uh, be able to hit that target accurately every time. But that's what makes long-range shooting much harder than just basic shooting. You have to understand the equipment. You have to understand the ballistics. You have to use tools. You have to do math, right, in right. order to be able to hit that target consistently. So let's... And, and that's what I find interesting about it. So let's let me, let me walk a guy through here. Okay, so you've got your yeah. rifle. It's sighted in at 100 yards. You yep. want to shoot Rex Tibor's beer can at 1,000 yards. Yep. So you you put in your program or you look at your chart. I use a little notebook that I handwrite. I find when I write something down, I remember it a lot better. So I use a little uh, three-inch spiral note, notebook that I fit in my breast pocket, chest pocket, Chest, <clears throat> chest pocket, um, <laughs> and uh, I so batteries don't go dead on that, right? It's always with me. Anyway, yeah. so you flip it over here to a thousand yards, and it says twenty three minutes. All right. Right. So a guy, he's you're laying there prone. You know, you've got your bipod. You're going to need a bipod or some kind of a stand to shoot at a thousand yards. Now, some guys will sling up and do it hats off to you. I can't do that. I can't see the target open sights either at a thousand yards. But, um, the, so bipods are almost always used. And when addition to your bipod, you need something under the toe of the stock. Now, some guys will bring out a special bag. Some guys will use their backpack. They'll use a, uh, 
your jacket balled up, or you use a rock. I've seen guys use their binoculars or a range finder, whatever it takes, but you've got to add stability to the back of that rifle or you're not going to, you're not going to hit anything. So it's very important. And then, um, laying prone, like you walk up on it, you want to have uh, forward pressure on the gun, kind of what's called loading the bipod, right? You know, you're going to walk them through the rest of the shot, John. Yeah, for sure. All this is laid out in detail in the book. So every position that they might want to take and all things, because we're using a lot of words people probably don't understand, loading the bipod and stuff. It's all fully explained there. But the, the, and the cool thing is that things like that rear bag you talked about, they're like 10 bucks. Like they're all the cheapest pieces of your equipment, right? You could use one um, of your books for it. Hey, stack yep, stack up four books and then you have a tow bag. You're good. Well, even better than that, you know, back in the old days, what we did was we just put sand in a sock. That's what we did. Yeah. Like we used an old sock, we put sand in it. Okay. But this is not a budget sport, despite the fact that you're spending $100. This is not a budget sport. So worrying about the bag is irrelevant. The, the important thing, I think, as you pointed out, is you need some support front and back. It doesn't really matter what they are, just as long as they're pretty much solid. The benefit of a bag that you can squeeze is because if you use the reticle to uh, modify your position, you can actually just squeeze your hand and it moves just a tiny fraction you know, of an inch. But that's what you need to do to get uh, into long-range shooting. You need to move tiny amounts. In 23 minutes, you, you talked about, I have to remind people that means minutes of angle, and that's the, the, the knob on your scope that you're going um, to turn to the number 23. Uh, and that will then get the elevation for the projectile to actually go up in the air, go through a curve, and come back down and actually hit that beer can. And you better hope that the wind is not blowing at 25 miles an hour because the chance of hitting that can are pretty slim, uh, if that's true. But let's say it's a nice still day. I think uh, prone means lying down, obviously. Uh, you, can, you could be at a bench, right? Um, and you could have sandbags at that bench if you're at a regular range, or you could be lying on the ground uh, with a bipod. And the, the most important thing I think a lot of people don't appreciate about long-range shooting is assuming that you have a, a long-range shooting-orientated gun is that gun's going to be fairly heavy, so it's not for mountain hunting. And that gun's free recoil is actually one of the most important points about being accurate at long range. So that basically means allowing the gun to move back and forth uh, uh, when you take a shot in a, in a fashion which does not involve the shooter influencing the direction that the, the, the bullet ends up traveling in. So you'll see a lot of, if any of you guys have looked at this uh, YouTube videos and um, uh, Rex uh, produces a great 101 long range series. You can see him shooting a lot of these things. He, he, if you're getting down behind that gun, what you're doing is you're going to try and touch that trigger very lightly and let the weight of the gun uh, take that bullet downrange. The biggest problem with long-range shooting is not the equipment, it's the shooter. Uh, the shooter themselves are often the thing that missed the target. The, 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 the equipment itself is so well made today that if you just get the basics we just talked about dialed in, you're going to hit that can. Right? So it's mostly that technique, basically, the fundamentals of how to shoot which are covered in the book and we can't cover today. It takes too long. But yeah. does, but, that, does that answer the question? Yeah, I just wanted to dial it in for them. So, folks, here's what you need to do. You need to go and go to longrangeshooting.org, check out the website, 
join the Facebook page, that group page, join our group page at FiringLineRadio.com. Uh, Finally, radio group on uh, on uh, Facebook. You're going to see a lot of information. We'll have more information coming up on our legislation. I just want to take a little bit of a break for that to celebrate uh, celebrate the Fourth of July last weekend. And folks, you know, I don't know. Should I? Should I? Okay, I want to congratulate Great Britain, silver medalist in the 1776 <laughs> Patriot Games. <laughs> there you go, John. Well, you're here now, and your son plays rugby for the U.S., so life is good. Folks, I want to thank my guest, John Gillespie Brown, longrangeshooting.org, and have a great week. Shoot, Felipe! Shoot! When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside. The Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.